Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. The consumer health industry is not historically valued creativity, but my guest this week, Patricia Corsi, is on a mission to change that. As Global Chief Marketing, Digital, and Information Officer at Bayer Consumer Healthcare, Corsi encourages Bayer's brand teams and agency partners to push the boundaries on their communications. From creating campaigns that touch on taboo topics to making it easier to purchase over-the-counter products. This year, she'll have her eye on such work as jury president of the Health and Wellness Alliance in Cannes. In this episode, Corsi also discusses her journey from Brazil to becoming a global creative leader at a multinational health conglomerate and shares how she works to elevate more diverse talent. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, and this is Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Patricia. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? Hi, Alison. Thank you very much for having me. And it's it's great to be able to be talking to you today. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your, your role at Bayer. I know your remit has just expanded a little bit. So talk about um, you know what you're responsible for and what you oversee. So since 2019, uh, I have joined Bayer as the Chief Marketing and Digital Officer uh, for the consumer health division, and uh, and this means that I, I, with my teams, I'm responsible for the category strategies, the centers of excellence for sales, marketing, the digital area, and now also uh, overseeing the IT, the technology and information area as well as for, uh, since uh, yeah first of May. Congratulations! It's really interesting that you know you've sort of expanded your role into IT. I know that you know marketing and IT are working a lot more closely together these days, but talk about why it made sense to have it all under one person. Well, look, we are really looking about the, the connectivities and the opportunities of collaboration. When we think about IT, we think about data. When we think about marketing and categories, we think about consumer data. We think about personalization. We think about the platforms. And really the way to connect with the consumer in the future it's getting more and more digitally enabled. So I was excited about that part. Uh, it's quite a unique role. Um, the other part that I was you know, really excited was how do we transform data into further insights into innovation, for example? How do we use data to help us navigate even better? And how do we serve the unmet needs of our consumers? So all in all, I think these were the things that are, I was m- the most excited about. Um, and of course, there is the part on e-commerce and the development on DTC in these areas. But there is uh, a lot of unknowns, I have to say, at the moment, because one of the things that I want to first do is to do a lot of learning. And, and I think this is my plan, uh, to learn first, then to be able, together with the team, to win and transform uh, the function, yeah. like we have done with marketing and sales. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how you've transformed marketing and sales at Bayer. Obviously, it's a large, giant consumer healthcare company. Um, talk about some of the ways that it has had to adapt, especially since the pandemic. Yeah, look, I think the pandemic has, uh, in a way, a little bit of a, a silver lining for all the health companies um, and for, for the consumers wanting to understand how to better take care of their health. If you look, uh, you know, look back uh, before COVID, 
there was very little excitement in consumers to be proactive. You know, the percentage of the population that was proactive about their health was much, much smaller than the percentage of the population that was reactive about their health. And, and with COVID, everyone has been challenged to think, what are the things that we are doing to make sure that if something like this strikes, that we are in our best health possible? And this means also having to understand more health, having to talk about the health in the dinner table, um, researching more about health. And, and this is, I think, a fantastic opportunity for, for people to really be empowered and taking uh, really uh, control of their self-care and, and how they feel, as well as for this industry to offer, continue to offer products that serve unmet needs, but also education that helps consumers to, to take care of their health in a way that suits them, like it was not done before. So so what does that look like at Bayer? What were some of the things that you've been doing to sort of maybe modernize communications, um, focus more on this expanded interest and, and definition of, of health and wellness? Yeah, so look, we, we, we have a number of things that we do. So I think the first thing is to make sure that we have our foundations well done and in place. Uh, the science and the confidence and the trust in our brands are non-negotiable. They are things that have to be there. And the opportunity that we saw is how our brands interact with people because most of the consumer health industry comes from a legacy of pharma, you know, being a division of a pharma business. And this means normally that there was very little consumer and customer centricity because, of course, in pharma, the main point of, of uh, contact is the doctor, not the consumer. So right. bringing this, uh, I would say, more FMCG-like foundations on brand building was the, the first uh, obvious thing to be done. And, and people engage with brands. If you want to have people engaging um, with your products, they first need to really engage with your brand and, and be excited about your brand. And there is no better way to do this uh, than creativity. Uh, and once again, we, we see an opportunity there because this is not an industry that has been historically known by being the the most creative industry uh, right. we have um we have put together a white paper where this is validated by our partners uh, in the FEs, where within the top 10 categories health is number eight meaning one the most creative and 10 the low the lowest creative so there is a lot of opportunity there for us to really, we shouldn't be surprised that people still kept their habit of being reactive to health and not proactive because from a creativity point of view, we haven't engaged them in this journey. And, and this is exactly where we, we focus a lot of the work that we have done in the past two years and a half here in Bioconsumer Health, bringing things yeah. like Vagina Academy, for example, yeah. where we really are, you know, working to break taboos for, for women so they don't need to be buying the wrong products in front of the shelf because they're so embarrassed that someone will see that they are buying a product for trash. Um, and, of course, there is the, the, the repercussions of that because by doing something as bold, as courageous, and as creative as this, our teams were able to uncensor the word vagina and TikTok 
in Brazil and just now recently in Meta in Italy. And you can only do that by really delivering creativity that engages with people, that connects and delivers service. Yeah, it's really interesting. I know creativity and especially elevating creativity in pharma is something that you're really focused on. Talk about your sort of opinion on why it's been so difficult for the pharma industry to be creative. I know, obviously, there's tons of regulations, but talk about this inertia around creative thinking and why now is sort of the right time to, to push past that. Yeah, I think it's important, Alison, that we separate the, uh, the, the uh, I'm going to call hardcore pharma and consumer health. Yeah. Consumer health is, is here, is an industry that is here for all the problems that you don't need to go and see your doctor to solve, right? And in mm-hmm. countries where, and this, why this is so important and so relevant, because it's healthcare is one of the biggest costs for people in the world. So not everyone has the luxury to have a, a healthcare plan where they don't incur in extra cost or they have the luxury to lose a day of work because they're not feeling well and they just have a consultation the next day. So this right. is why this industry is, is really so important and so special because also in your household, my household and everyone, there is, there is in every single household, there is a problem that a consumer health problem can solve from a headache to a body pain, to a, a, a dermatologic uh, issue, to a constipation. There are many different places where we can be serving the people in a way that is very different than pharma. And when we think about uh, pharma, uh, some of those constraints in consumer health, they come exactly from what I was mentioning to you before. This legacy that cons- the consumer health business was a part of a pharma business. So yes. the heritage of building brands that you have in fast moving consumer good never came through because you don't have that in pharma. You have the science focus only that came through. Science focus is wonderful, but not only. It should be science focus and consumer and customer focus, but they didn't have that in pharma. So of course, what is the cons- unintended consequence of that? Creativity matters less because with mm. the doctors is the science speaking first, is the scientific studies, is the trials, etc. So this is another point. And of course, mm. the last one, as you were mentioning, the, the regulatory restrictions, because this um, it's something that in, in it, it goes through from pharma to consumer health. Nevertheless, it's very different the level of restrictions that you have in a pharmaceutical business as well as you have in the consumer health business because of course the risks intrinsics are very different Uh, and this in in of course in the us you have pharmaceutical products also being advertised but in the rest of the world most of the industry in pharma do not do advertising for the for the general public so why are you building uh, um, a team that is focused on creativity if you're not producing any assets? So these were a little bit of the of the things that we have faced. We have arrived uh, as a team to transform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of making consumer health the consumer-focused industry that it should be, right? And that that really involves creativity. So. 
you know, you guys, Bayer and, and you particularly are at the forefront of this. Um, you are the jury president for the Health and Wellness Alliance this year at Cannes. What are you looking for in the work? First of all, I want just to recognize uh, the wonderful evolution of the Cannes Lion Festival because I look at the at the jury and I see so much diversity. I love the fact that they are bringing more uh, brands uh, representative to the table. I think this is a really important one as well. And of course, personally, I'm super proud of, of being the president jury of health and wellness. By now, uh, yesterday was the deadline, Alison. So yesterday I finished looking at all the cases from my set and it's around 300. Wow. And in health and wellness, uh, we have more than double of that. And I have to say that I'm very, very excited about the quality of the work. Uh, and I've been in the jury last year as well. So I have the opportunity and quite unique opportunity to see three years of work in Cannes. Last year, we had two years in one because in 2020, there was no, no festival, right? So right. I had the opportunity to see these three years and I can clearly see the evolution. I can clearly see more brands and more companies coming and, and playing their role, as we discussed, you know, the really important role that this industry plays in daily life. And I'm seeing a lot of disruption. I'm seeing exciting things from, you know, how diversity point of view in terms of looking at how products, brands and services are serving the people that we represent in different countries, in different industries. I'm seeing a lot of great things uh, in different categories because in health and wellness, we see from animal health to, you know, uh, advocacy, OTC products. So, Through and through, there is a really good set of cases, really excited and in channels, a great variety of channels. So talk about like where you're seeing innovation and and, like evolution of either the way that companies are talking about health or the channels they're using to do it. Like where are you, what are you excited about? Look, if I go back and look a little bit versus comparing versus the last two years, the first thing that I look is that we have moved, there is momentum from the COVID. Last year, there was a lot of COVID-related cases, right? And COVID-related, I mean, from really COVID and recognizing the the first-line helpers and and doctors and nurses and etc. to the unintended consequences of COVID, like gender violence in home as people are in lockdown. So we had Mm -hmm. a really big number of cases there. The good thing is that there was a lot of momentum because it was very relevant and important. And this year, we have not seen the momentum loss where what we see is that there is momentum on other things that are really impacting people. And and we start to see things in different shapes or forms for women, for men related to, uh, you know, illness or conditions that affect a lot of people globally that are being tackled in a way that is very different, have a stopping power that is important, but also start shaking the tree of this industry that creativity doesn't hurt. Creativity brings people in. Getting people to consumers to stop and look at your brand is not promiscuous, right? So actually we are doing a service. There is a lot of educational work that we are seeing as well. Uh, And I see a lot more uh, usage of digital. Uh, Mm -hmm. In terms of data, in terms of channel, 
technology being used. So this is an area that I've seen growing a lot, uh, looking at the cases from 2021 and now 22. Yeah, it's really exciting. It seems like there's there's a ton of of opportunity there, and and people are starting to to realize it. How do how do you ensure that Bayer continues to push boundaries and, and lead in this space? By keeping ourselves uncomfortable, Alison. I think the the important thing is if you want to to be the best, that is what we aspire to. We want the best. We want to be the best consumer health company globally. And to be able to achieve this goal, we need to make ourselves uncomfortable. And this mm. means that we have to try things where we feel, you know, a bit afraid because it has not been done before. Maybe it's a bit uh, edgy, like Vagina Academy. You know, the first reaction to Vagina Academy were, were not, well, let's go and do it. You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> not something like that. Uh, but at the moment that you start doing these things, you, you don't realize that you start creating a movement where people see that there is the space to have creativity in this industry. And then more and more work comes, not just because internally the marketeers feel more confident about trying and about having creative, bold ideas that really have the stopping power and, and captivate the engagement of consumers, but also from the other side, from our agency partners, the best creatives want to work with our brands. And, and mm -hmm. this is the, the best combination that one, one could wish for. Um, we have a, a specific process, Alison, that is something that I brought from my days uh, at Heineken. I started doing this there that is called Creative Unleash. This is another mm -hmm. way that we really bring this differentiation to buyer where we have this connectivity with our uh, strategic uh, existing partners, BBDO, Mullen Law, Oliver, WPP, and they bring ideas to our brands that have not been briefed. And I don't cease to be amazed because they know what are the, they know our consumers, they know our brands, we, sh we share with them very clearly the challenges and opportunities. So, why and, and that is why it's called Creative Unleash. Why should we put a leash for them to to give us an idea? And some yeah. Vagina Academy comes from Creative Unleash. The works tipation idea that is another one that I love also comes from Creative Unleash, Redoxon Defense Squad. There is a number of ideas that uh, were highly recognized last year and awarded that are coming from this process. Yeah. So obviously agencies are play a really important part in your creative process. Talk about like the role that they play and also talk about how, you know, you kind of keep each other on your toes about ways that you can push creatively. I really believe on longstanding relationships and, and it's, it, it's, it's not easy to build strong relationships because you it's it's like uh, in in regular life right so you get to know the best and the worst of people in our best and our worst times but there is a connection there that we have in common that is our brand so we have partners like bbdo that have been working with our brands for over 25 years and we have new partners as well so we have this blend one of the things that we do, uh, I have a no surprise policy with all my strategic partners. We have a transparency discussion. That means we do media reviews, full year reviews. And then if we have three of those that have been below expectation, then we are going to go to a pitch. 
Mm. We don't go to a pitch as oh okay let's do a pitch because you know I woke up in the in the mood of doing it I want to shake I want people to be I think there is a lot of compliance so maybe you know let me just do a pitch so people get you know back no either people are in the game or they are not in the game and I trust that our strategic partners they are a hundred percent in the game so we mm. use the media review and the full year review that by the way is back and forth is one thing that we we have um, made it um, mandatory that was not there before the agencies evaluate we evaluate them so it's, it's not just one very mm-hmm. very strong discussion on the kpis and fundamentals you know this is creativity uh, accounting building all of those things the basic ones but then of course more and more we start bringing diversity do we have teams in the countries that are representing the population that is being served uh, and this is part of the evaluation sustainability in the processes where we can have a more sustainable process are we implementing them because these are part of the values and and, and the vision that we have in the business and this mm. builds us stronger together alison i think uh, if you just go for the for the financial number it's really mm-hmm. difficult to build a long standing relationship and get the best out of those teams so i'm i'm now in a, in a situation where that i absolutely adore is that there are creative directors in other um, in other agencies within the same group that they pitch in ideas for our brands Mm. And I, I find this is a, a great recognition of this open, transparent and courageous relationship that we have that do not fear, you know, conflict because we see conflict as a way to to be the best. Yeah, I find that, you know, agencies, a lot of the time agencies will sort of let conflict get in the way of just really great thinking, right, and collaboration, Um how do you feel that impacts creativity and, and you know, the, the, just like the ability to attract creative people to this industry? And, you know, how does that, what are your thoughts on sort of how that can change? Yeah, this is, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm stretching myself on this one. Um, okay. Look, I, I have a firm belief and this is my personal belief. And, and again, everyone is entitled to have one great ideas are not the ones where everybody loves them. I think if you come with an idea that everybody loves them, uh, probably it's average. I think great ideas and the best ideas that I have ever seen, they make some people uncomfortable. Um, they make you stop and think they, it's those ideas that say, Oh, okay. I feel, I feel it. I need to go home and sleep on it. Either it's because it's too edgy. It is because it's too uncomfortable. It's a place that I've never, never been before. So having this, you know, this, this collaboration, this connectivity with the agency is fundamental because you never get a creative head that will present you a bold idea if they do not see that as a client, you will back a bold idea. If, right. if you know, there is that say that says every client has the creative that they deserve and every creative has the client they deserve, right? So if if for every new idea, you, you cut them quite fast and brutally, they will never come back. And they will always come with the thing that, that you know, gets your tick, but this is not the path to greatness. Um, mm. And I think the partners to greatness has this, has this friction. Um, I, 
I had moments and I, I, I feel really, really good about the fact that all my creative directors in, in this 25 years of career, until this day, I always had a good relationship with them. Not because uh, it was all a love fest in the meetings, because we are always very clear about one thing and we connected about one thing that is what was our love for the brands, our love for creativity that really makes a mark and our consumer focus. And when you have that, even if you have a bit of a, if you hit a, a, a rough patch, you come back, you come back because you are driven by the same thing. So there were moments uh, and, and just, you know, if I look 12 months back, where one of our creative directors presented an idea. They feel, felt really strong about the idea and I felt nothing about the idea. And it was horrible to me because, you know, it's, you either feel it or you don't feel it, right? So you, you yeah. can't half cook it and say, oh yeah, this yeah. is interesting. You know, I've, I've lived in the UK twice, so I've learned the, the meaning of the word interesting in English. <laughs> and I try as much as possible not to use it because uh, it, it, it's not meaning well in some, in some occasions. So, but I said it very clear. I said, look, I see where you're coming from. I just don't feel it. Let me just go back and I will look at it again and, and, and I just don't feel it. And, and sometimes this don't feel it, it comes from your background, it comes from your, your history, whatever it is. And of course, the creative was not, not happy, you can imagine, right? Because he felt so strongly about the brand. But he really respected the fact that I didn't say, oh, no, it's nice and etc. And then I didn't move forward with that. Yeah, you were honest. I was honest, but because th then when they came with those ideas and I said, this is, you know, it's blowing my mind. Then they know that together with the countries that I'm going to be such a strong voice to get them in the market and face mm -hmm. and, and help to take out, take all, all the barriers that I think this is, I think this is the consistency that as a professional, I, I like to have that is. I'm going to be consistently honest and consistently I'm going to fight for the ideas that I love. I'm going to always be respectful, but I'm always going to tell you because I'm not going to tell you it's a nice idea and then don't fight for it. I'm all in. Yeah. Talk about like, talk to me a little bit about you and, and like how you got to where you are today in this role. Talk about like your leadership style and sort of how you've, how you've, you know, created these sort of strong principles of honesty and, and values? I am on an unusual path because I am the daughter and granddaughter of entrepreneurs, very successful man. My grandfather was a chef, uh, an immigrant, Italian immigrant in Brazil. My father had restaurants. My grandfather had hotels. And, and I was set to be on the path of, uh, of being an entrepreneur, a business owner. And then creativity appeared in my life. And, and, and it's something that I, I really, I, I feel like it's a privilege to, to be able to do what I do every day. I, I think it's a privilege to go into people's house and, and have this platform that our brands, that have the, the ability to do impact, good or bad. Huh? And we know that there are, you know, marketing in many times are used as a, as a synonym of bad things, you know, when there are bad things, people say, oh, this is a marketing thing. 
My mission is that whenever people say something that is a marketing thing, it's just because it's a wonderful thing. So I think the my my leadership style, I always find it hard to talk about myself, but I think they they represent the values that I've been raised with, the values that I have at home. I'm one person, uh, probably different intensities at home and, and in the office, but the same values, the value of curiosity that I always had, that is what uh, placed me here, considering that I've started doing engineering. Um, the value of courage, you know, being the first one in my family to go to university, uh, moving abroad uh, when our son had four months old, you know, without any family around us. Um, the values of openness, really being keen to understand first and not judge. And I think these are things that... Um, if, if I have only one ish, wish is that these are well represented if you ask people about my leadership style. And, and, and I think our agency partners are an extension of our teams. Like I, I would like them to think that our brands are an extension of their business as well. Mm-hmm. This is how I hopefully think that this comes to play. But, you know, um, we are always work in progress, right? So I, um, I can guarantee to you that I have lots of things that I, I must do better. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all do. So what's it sort of been like for you as a woman and as in a global role and, you know, having moved to different countries to, to get to this point and, and what advice do you have for other, other women in looking to do something similar with their careers? Ooh. It, it's, it's not easy. Uh, I have to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm a woman, I'm Latina, I'm the breadwinner. So I, I tick a lot of, uh, a lot of boxes there. With that said, I have a very, very clear thinking in my head that is the following. I never place myself on the victim seat. I'm not a victim of anything. Uh, all that I have, I'm very grateful for. And what some people from a, a bias point of view, my think would be my weaknesses is my superpower. I think being Brazilian, being Latin is a superpower for me. But if I tell you how many times I see, not just, you know, and I haven't heard this for, for over a decade, but, you know, when you're up and coming, even in your own country, there is this thing about, oh no, Latin people, they are too loud. They're too enthusiastic. They're too happy. You know, there is this, a plethora of things that uh, they're good things, but they are made they are made it in a way that it sounds like they're all bad things. Mm. And and you hear that so much that in certain point you start thinking, oh, I need to fit in, I need to comply, I need to be more serious, I need to be less enthusiastic, I need to be less vibrant, you know, let me wear more gray, brown, and black. Uh, you know, some of those things that are, are the norm that you think to be successful, you need to fit in. And I think to be successful, you need to be yourself, the best version of yourself. Mm. The, the other thing that I've learned in this journey is that men are the ally. Uh, and when I look back, and it can be a feature of not having... I don't in Brazil. I don't have. I haven't had any women that was in the board in any of the companies that I work uh, that could have been an inspiration or a role model. But 
most of the people that helped me the most in my career, mentors, uh, coaches, sponsors, they were men. Um, and, and what made a difference, it was not their gender was their values and, and their belief in me, you know, how they made the bet in me. Mm-hmm. I think as women, sometimes we don't need to go back and say, oh, because I didn't have the reference as a woman that I don't know how to do. No, we need to learn from the best, whoever they are. If they're aliens, if they're men, women, whatever they are, we need to learn from the best and, and, and take that to the next level. So I, I think I believe highly on this and, and I feel really strongly about paying attention to how I walk the talk on my priority on diversity. And one simple example, Alison, would be, I've never realized that before, but one of the things that I realized is that when I was presented candidates by headhunters, or let me just pick one example from the creative industry. I have never in almost 30 years of career had a creative director that was black. Mm. Never. Yeah, never. And I had twice women creative director. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and this is, you know, I'm talking really going to the nineties, <laughs> feeling really old, going to the nineties where this thing about diversity and inclusion didn't exist. And, and I lived in five different countries. So this is not a feature of Brazil or Mexico or the UK or the Netherlands or Switzerland. Right. This is it. Right. And one of the things that, that I realized is that when, when you look at this, you know, when I was asked now, if people ask me recommendations on, on talent, when a headhunter called me and said, oh, would you be interested in this job? I said, no, I'm not, but I would be very happy to give you some recommendations. And I really think through on who do I recommend? Because sometimes the most visible would not be the people that are the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to put that time to say, okay, which are the best people that I know? Maybe they're not the most on networking. Maybe they're not the most visible on LinkedIn, but they're just brilliant. Yeah. And you have to, um, you know, I think a lot of times companies use excuses that they can't find these people, which it's not true. They just have to put in the effort, right? To look in, in different places. I fully agree with you. I, I, I have two views on that. I think first, there are so many great people out there. Mm-hmm. And, and women specifically, and this is, again, my perspective. I don't want to generalize. But in average, women tend to be less great at networking than men. And therefore, sometimes there is less visibility. So this is one of the things that I, I purposefully do. I connect women with other women. So... Mm-hmm. For example, just this week, I have one of my mentees. She's a Chinese lady in Japan. And, um, and I was connecting her with a Spanish lady in Japan. Mm-hmm. Some of those connections that, you know, from a, a life stage point of view also helps. Um, so I, I purposefully do that, not just for women, but, you know, I, I focus more on women and the Latinx community, let me say in this way, because this is where I think I can add more value from an experience and connections point of view. Mm-hmm. But also there is a second point, and, 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 and this is great that you asked me this question because it, it gives me the opportunity to talk about a subject that I think it's important, especially now a couple of weeks from Cannes, that is... There is a lot of conversation about the diversity on the juries on the festivals, right? 
one of the things that I think is really important then is start flipping this conversation to our accountability as a creative industry. To the example that I given you, not one black creative director, two women in almost 30 years of career. What is the accountability from the agencies to systemically change that? So into the ground levels, how you're making sure that you are over-indexed to bring more women and more diversity and more minorities, let me call it this way there. And mm-hmm. this, is the, this is one way to change the systemic thing. You know, the more you put focus, the more you see it grow. And the other is one thing that we are doing in Brazil that, by the way, is a project that was led by uh, Beatriz and uh, Brooke from Analog Folks, our team in, in Brazil, and the Creative Club in Brazil as well. That is, we are doing a, a creative contest where pe- there is a briefing specifically focusing on the, on the Black students and upcoming people that had just been out of university or are getting into university in Brazil that they can deliver ideas for those briefs and the winners are going to get uh, education, but special education like, you know, the Miami Mm -hmm. Creative School, you know, things that will really give them an edge when they go into an agency and they present their first, they will have something in their portfolio. Second, they will have a special education that we will never be able to afford. And this is how I believe that we can start shifting systemically from the bottom up while, of course, as you say, there's so many great people around, we just need to dig a little bit, you know, wider our net and, and talk. Maybe it's probably, it takes more work. I wouldn't say that it, it's easier. It's not easier. It takes more work, but I think it's so much work. Yeah, that's the thing. It's 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 work and people have to, you know, roll up their sleeves and commit to doing it. And I'm I'm glad to see that you're pushing the charge there because I really do think in the agency world, all change really comes from the brand, right? And their ability to sort of push their partners. So Patricia, thank you so much for joining me. This was such an interesting conversation. And I'm, I'm very excited to see what passes muster at Cannes this year. I'm excited as well. Uh, I want to thank you and Campaign for giving us this space. As you can hear from my voice, I'm I'm always very excited with opportunities for us to be able to talk about creativity health care and our brands and i feel like by doing this we can move the whole industry so i'm i'm on this mission that i believe that creativity has a very very important place in health and getting creatives consumer agencies and channels excited about it it's something that you just helped me to do a little bit more so i'm i'm very grateful for that alison That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.